0: Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 23? The details that we have in the scriptures are there for us to realize how God, in His sovereign purpose, carefully protects his promise of the Christ from one page to the next. We have what appear to be endless genealogies seemingly. They are there for a reason. Every name, many of them named only once, are named because God makes us to understand that Everybody has a purpose in his creation and we're not just here by mistake. Certainly those who are in the genealogy of the Christ and it goes on and on and on until there are these watershed moments where, as for example, in Genesis uh, what 49 or so, uh, Jacob, Israel, gives the blessings to his 12 sons and he gives a particular blessing to Judah. The the lawgiver will not depart from his feet nor the scepter from his hand until Shiloh comes. He didn't have a, a name yet for the Messiah, but on his deathbed, his favorite thought of Messiah was that he gave him peace. Shalom, peace giver. You can see, you can see how it's related to Shalom, Shalom. It moves on until now knowing that Judah carries the promise of the Christ, the promise settles in on David. Seemingly unimportant young man. But the spirit of God within him emboldens him. And he just grows in his courage and his leadership ability. And in the way that people are attracted to him. Also in the way that people betray him. A famous preacher once said, you're not always known by the friends you make. Sometimes you're known by the enemies that you make. And you can tell that Satan is after David in any way that he can use to destroy David. So Satan's ally in the time in the early time of of, of David's exile here is King Saul himself. And we're going to see through the next two or three chapters as we're going to see tonight and as we have already seen how God directs the details to deliver his anointed David through the through the narrowest of circumstances to keep bringing him forward and who David really is and why he is God's king continues to reveal itself in the minds of the people. So now, last time it was David in exile, but now now David is becoming the deliverer of God's people. We are... This is the book of 1 Samuel. Samuel was the last of the judges. So the era of the judges comes to an end in 1 Samuel. The era of the judges lasting all of those decades and decades and decades was a difficult era for the people of God, for Israel. They, They barely got by. Sometimes they lived in caves The Philistines had weapons of iron. They were a well-organized army, a nation of people. It's an interesting history, the history of the the Philistines, who are well-known to be the ancestors of the Palestinians. But way back in those days, in David's day, it was always known that they were transplants. They came in from some other part of the world. They weren't really indigenous to the area of, uh, of, of Judah and Israel, Canaan. But they're very strong, and they're strong-willed, and, and they're cruel. The Jews were known, the, Israel, the, the Israelites were known to be a pastoral people, that is they were agricultural such that they, they were very good at producing food. They also were good with flocks and herds and so, so they, were, they were good with uh, animals and, and, and their flocks and, and, and herds they grew and they were healthy. That's just like money in that economy in that day. So for the era of the judges, the, the crops, the animals, the flocks, all easy pickings for the Philistines. And this, this race, and then there were other nations as well that gave the Israelites trouble. God at just the right time would raise up a judge and, and a judge would be the man who could somehow bring his people together, but he was also there to judge the people. When there were difficulties, he would judge them. And they were carried out of their difficulties, but he would also, as a judge, be the leader of the people when he was needed at strategic moments in time to to raise up some kind of force to keep the Philistines or others from... Utterly destroying Israel. But now in 1 Samuel, we are at the end. Samuel has already, we saw this several chapters earlier. Samuel has already tendered his resignation because Saul is the king. They don't need a judge if they have a king. Now, the problems that Israel faced in the times of the judges Namely, without a king, they had no army. There was no coherence. The tribes felt no obligation to come together as a nation. They were, they were very stubbornly independent as tribes. That didn't work well for them because they suffered so much that whole time. But Saul, early on, proves himself to be a helper as a king. And as the people's choice, they went along with him for quite some time and he was able to assemble an army and this army enjoyed success early in in Saul's reign. But he becomes, I'll bet you've never thought of an era in history where the political leaders were so focused on their political enemies that they spent all of their time and all of their treasure trying to destroy the political enemies rather than taking care of the people. I bet you've never, I bet you've never thought about an era in history like that. But this is the way Saul was. He had to have people to come and tell, as he relentlessly pursued David to kill him because he was jealous and he knew that David had been anointed by Saul, uh, by Samuel. So all of his focus was on killing and destroying David using whatever lies and, and, and whatever spies and whatever turncoats he could use in order to finally defeat and destroy David. And then when there was trouble in the kingdom, somebody had to come and tap him on the shoulder and said, hey, you gotta hold the, you got to hold off on this for a minute. you got people getting destroyed over here by the Philistines. You might want to go and attend to that. Sort of the way we're going to see ourselves here in 1 Samuel 23. So David now moves from just this, this hero of Saul's army who is forced into exile into a deliverer for the people of God. David f- here, we get, we're given the account of how David delivers Keilah from the Philistines. So here we go. And they told David saying, behold, the Philistines are waging war against Keilah and they are pillaging the threshing floors. Now here we know what this means is As I said earlier, like in the time, they're still doing what they did in the era of the judges. The Philistine spies would watch the villages of the Israelites and they would watch them plant their crops. And they would watch them grow the crops. and They would watch them breed and tend to uh, their flocks and their herds. And then as a as a growing season would pass and the season for, for birthing more animals and, and the flocks grow and the herds grow, as they watched just when they finally harvested and brought all of the crops neatly gathered into the threshing floors, they would attack. They would attack the hapless unarmed Israelites. They were permitted to have farming implements and generally speaking, the only piece of metal that they were allowed to have was a spike on the end of an ox goad. That's the only thing they could have. So they were utterly Unarmed, they had no way to defend themselves. It was, as I said earlier, easy pickings for the Philistines. They just come down and they have their wagons with them uh, and they, they have other people with them who can tie up all the animals and gather in all of the barn loads of, of uh, crops and just take it away. And the Israelites couldn't do anything about it. However, David had 600 men. And somebody comes now. You see, this isn't the way things used to be. You have David now on the rise. And you also have Saul, who is otherwise uh, in confusion about what he really wants to do. David inquired of Yahweh. Okay, you can see the time that they live. Can't believe anybody. Doeg the Edomite turned on him. Other people have turned on him. They lied about him. Somebody says, oh, you're going to have to bring all of your men over here to Keilah. Now, that was a border town. That was about 10 miles away from where David and his men were camping. Not very far. An easy trip for a small force. 600 men. You're going to have to come. The Philistines are they have invaded Kila and they're stealing all their stuff. They're taking their food. They're taking their animals. David doesn't get excited about it. He inquires of Yahweh. Now remember he has Gad the prophet with him. No doubt he would have called Gad to his side and would have said to him, please help me. We need to inquire of the Lord I need to know if the Lord tells me to go and engage the Philistines. So shall I go and smite these Philistines? He inquired of Yahweh. Yahweh said to David, go and you shall smite the Philistines. The war is yours. The battle is yours. I give it to you. Save. Keilah." And David's men said, oh, wait a minute. We're, We're scared enough here in Judah of our own people. How much more afraid do you think we're going to be if we go to the battle array of the Philistines, an organized army? They have weapons of iron. They have chariots and and, uh, they have uh, cavalry. They have footmen, foot soldiers and all these other men. The tips of their arrows will go right through our brass shields and they'll kill us. We're not too sure. So he goes to his 600 men and they say, we don't really want to do this. David goes back to Yahweh. He continued further to inquire of Yahweh, and Yahweh answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I am giving the Philistines into your hand. That was enough. His men were willing to follow him now, and they battled the Philistines, and he led away their cattle and struck them a great blow, and David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. He engaged the Philistines. He fought the battle. He won the battle with his 600 men, killed a bunch of them, and saved their cattle. And of course, the crops that were on the threshing floor brought that all back. David and his men went to Keilah with a great blow. And it was that when Abiathah, the son of Achimelech fled to David, to Kila. The ephod came down in his sand. Now, the ephod, that's the thing that helps him, that helps him determine whether Yahweh says yes or no. So now he has this as part of the general array of his people, his armament. This was like a direct line to God. Next, David delivers himself and his men from Saul. David not only has a sense to take care of people here and there, but he has 600 men who have devoted themselves to him. They are in the process of growing as warriors. They also have displaced their families, and their families are encamped nearby, their wives and their children. He has, of course, an obligation as well to take care of his men And their families. So they go from Kila. To the wilderness of Ziph. Now that's about. That's about 15 miles away. From where they are. It was related to Saul that David. Had come to Kila. Now. (laughs) Tequila. That sounds funny. Um, Saul had spies. Everywhere. So did David. So their men would hide on the hillsides. They would hide in the weeds. They would dress up like villagers and and they would act like they were part of a particular village or or a part of 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 a place in the land. And they would listen. They would gather intelligence and they would bring it back. Saul's spies to him. David's spies to him. Saul knows what David is doing. Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand for he has been shut in by coming into a city with doors and bars. It is really, let me think of a word. It is, I guess distressing. I don't know if, of a deep enough word. When you hear. The the enemies of God. Telling everybody. That they are doing the will of God. This 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 is now remember we have to go back here. God said to the people early on in Samuel's. Um, career. As a prophet God said to the people listen to Samuel because when what he says is what I'm saying Samuel has anointed David as the king so Saul is in direct opposition to the word of God the will of God the way of God the purpose of God but he says that it is God's will that he does these things. God has delivered him into my hand. He's been shut into this city that has doors and bars, has gates. Saul summoned all the people to the war to go down to Kila, to besiege David and his men. And David knew that upon him, Saul was plotting the evil. And he said to Abiatah, the priest, bring near the ephod. Saul's spies told him that David had come to kill David's spies said to David Saul's spies have told Saul that we are here what is David to believe with all that he's been through what is he to believe how is he to take this he inquires of the Lord And David said, Yahweh, God of Israel, your bondsman has heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city because of me. Will the citizens of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will they betray me? Will Saul come down as your bondsman has heard? Yahweh, God of Israel, now tell your servant, your slave, and Yahweh said, yes, Saul will come down. David said, these people whom I have delivered and saved with my men and we put our lives on the line for them and we saved their crops and their animals and their families. Will they deliver me and betray me and deliver me and my men into the hands of Saul? And Yahweh said, yes, they will. What a mess. David is in for these 10 years of exile. David and his men, about 600 men, arose and left Keilah. And they went wherever they would go, and it was told to Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, and he refrained from going forth. He just said, Hold up, guys, no sense going. David caught wind of the fact that we're headed that way, and he's left. David dwelt in the desert, in the strongholds, and he dwelt in the mountain in the desert of Ziph. Saul sought him all the days but Elohim did not deliver him into his hand. David saw that Saul had gone forth to seek his soul and David was in the desert of Ziph in in the forest. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David to the forest and he strengthened his hand through Elohim. David had gone to a place where survival was nearly impossible, but he found the place with the best water supply. He was in the general area of the Dead Sea. Now I've been there, some of you may have been there. It's 120 feet below sea level. The average temperature is around 120 degrees every day. It's dry, it's arid. The Dead Sea is shrinking a little bit and by, by a little bit every year. It's dead because it has nothing, it's mostly salt. It has nothing alive in it. It's a horrible place. I, I tried to swim in the Dead Sea. You can't, you pop up like this. It's, it'll just hold you up, but you can't swim really. It'll flip you over. Stings, hurts, oily. This is where they're camped out. They have the best of the water supply, I think near a place called Engedi, maybe. And this is where they are, but Jonathan, Jonathan found them, the son of Saul, David's dearest friend. This is the last time they will meet. The next time Jonathan is mentioned in the Bible, He gets killed on the battlefield with his father. But Jonathan came. David is feeling low. Consider where they are. I mean, you don't don't have to spend but about two hours in the area of the Dead Sea to get really depressed. God raised up Jonathan from wherever he was. Saul's son carried him right to where David was because David needed his friend to encourage and strengthen him just at that time jonathan, jonathan strengthened david through through god through elohim and he said to him fear not for the hand of my father saul will not find you and you shall reign over israel And may I be to you as a viceroy, and my father Saul, too, knows that this is so. My father knows that this is a helpless campaign to try to find you and kill you because God is with you. God is carrying you wherever you need to be to stay out of Saul's reach, to help the people just when they need help. Who you are in the sight of the people is, is growing You're being looked at as a a great leader and you don't even realize how the stature of who you are is growing in the eyes and the minds of the people. Saul won't find you. And the two of them made a covenant before Yahweh. David stayed in the forest. Jonathan went to his home. They'll never meet each other again. Jonathan goes home. One last task for Jonathan from God. Neither Jonathan nor David realized that Jonathan would not live to see his dream of being second in command under King David. Then David delivers his people from Ziph to the wilderness of Maon. The Ziphites went up to Saul to Gibeah saying, is David not hiding with us in the strongholds in the forest in the hill of Hakilah, which is from the south of the desolate wasteland? That's the Dead Sea area. And now, according to all the desires of your heart to come down, come down, it is incumbent upon us to deliver him into the king's hand. What a bunch of pals he had. He would take care of all of them He wouldn't harm them in any way Never threatened them And they continued to turn on him So they betrayed him And Saul said Blessed Blessed shall you be to Yahweh For you have taken pity Upon me Boy this guy's a piece of work isn't he Oh Saul There are people this way, though. They're diametrically opposed to the will, word, and way of God, and yet they think themselves, and they arrogate themselves to a place where they think they can give blessings in Yahweh's name. And they dare say that because I think it's right, then it has to be the will of Yahweh. Regardless of what the Bible says, the word says. Go now, prepare yet, and know and see his place where his foot will be. Who saw him there? For I'm told that he deals cunningly. He's a, he's a fox, this David. I hear what you say. Give me more detail. Who saw him? Where did they see him? Exactly where is he walking right now? And see and know of all the hiding places where he hides. And you shall return to me with the certainty, and I shall go with you. And it shall be that if he is in the land, I'll search him out among the thousands of Judah. All these places, these hills, these fields. They rose and went to Ziph before Saul. And David and his men were in the desert of Maon, in the plain which is to the south of the desolate wasteland. Saul and his men went to search and they told David and he went down to the rock and stayed in the desert of Maon and Saul heard and pursued David in the desert of Maon. Now, he is getting David trapped in a corner. Saul's spies and all of those around him who would betray David have given a network of information Such that he knows exactly where he is and he knows that he can't go but this way or that way. He sure can't come this way or we'll have him for sure. And Saul went from this side of the mountain. Now, if you'll drop down, you'll see that they circled the place. And David and his men were on that side of the mountain. So here's the report. Okay, Saul, you have him. David and his men are just on the other side of the mountaintop. Take half your men, go this way. Take the other half and go that way. He can't get away. You've got him. David was hastening to get away from before Saul, but Saul and his men were encircling to David and his men to seize them. There was no way out. And then somebody comes and taps Saul on the shoulder. Make haste and go, for the Philistines have spread out all over the land. While you have been focused on David and these 600 men, this well-organized army of the Philistines are all over the place, and there's no protection for the people. Just at the right time, David had no way of escape. There was no way, Saul had him. Just then, the report comes that the Philistines are everywhere. Stealing the crops and the animals and killing God's people and they are unprotected. And you're the king. And Saul returned from pursuing David. And he went toward the Philistines. Therefore they called that place the rock of Division, the rock of parting, the rock of separating. Silah, Hamalech, the rock of separation. Well, we'll stop there. Just keep in mind, this is the hand of God. Though we can't see it exactly that way, we know it's this way. This is the hand of God leading our Savior to the manger and then the cross. All these details, the names of these people, the places are overseen and overruled by our sovereign God for our sakes. Okay, we'll stop it there and we'll have our deacon prayer time.